0: In your uh, pew Bible, if you're looking along your pew Bible, you can find it on page 861. It's Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through verse 16. Let's stand together as we read God's word. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Let's take a moment to just be silent and reflect on God's word together, and then we'll hear from our preacher this morning. So our preacher this morning is Kurt Solomon. Uh Kurt is planting Christ Our Hope. Is that correct? correct? Christ Our Hope Anglican here in Wilmington. Uh he'll he might tell you a little more about that, but we're so excited uh that he's come from Raleigh uh with his family to plant this church. We pray uh as y'all know if you've come to the Vision Banquet ever we we pray that the Lord would raise up just a forest of uh, of churches in our city um, preaching the gospel uh, proclaiming the Lord's name and, 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 trying to serve Him faithfully and discipling people. And so, uh, Kurt and his family are kind of answered answer to that prayer. And we're, we're so excited they're here. And, um, uh, his wife, Erin, who's here. And then, uh, Sophie T and Tell, their two little ones. And, uh, what a gift to Wilmington they're going to be. So, uh, brother, can I pray for you? All right. Heavenly Father, we pray for Kurt this morning and we pray for his family. Uh, for the remainder of their call here in Wilmington. Lord, we pray that in uh, 20, 30 years, we'd be able to look back and rejoice together at this little seedling of a church that you planted that then grew up into a, a big, tall tree. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would um, speak to us through Kurt. we were hungry to hear your word. Pray that the words of his mouth, the meditations of his heart, would be pleasing in your sight pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Thank you.
1: Oh, and it is fantastic to be with you all this morning. Um, as Sam just said, this is a summer of moving for my family. We, uh, we left the day school got out in Raleigh on June the 9th and got in the moving truck and came down. And that was the first big move that I'd been a part of um, since I was in high school. In high school, my family moved from southwestern Michigan this little bitty town in southwestern Michigan, to Fuquay Arena, North Carolina, which is right outside of Raleigh, and was the biggest town I'd ever lived in. There was, and and that's marked by the fact that there were two fast food restaurants in town, and a stoplight, which is just unbelievable. Where I grew up, there was no stoplights, and fast food was a a 30-minute drive. But when we moved, we were excited about that move, just like we have been this summer. And and got started in school. We moved actually three weeks into my junior year of high school. And came down, and, and folks were incredibly nice to me in Fuquay. They were incredibly nice to me. I got to know folks quickly. I got to play fall sports, which was absolutely unbelievable. And um, just started to meet people and have a good time. But you know what? Folks um, were nice at an arm's distance, sort of. You know, they already had their friendships. The kids I went to high school with, the, the folks I went to high school with, had the relationships that they'd been building since they were in kindergarten. And they didn't need friends. They had friends. I needed friends. I wanted friends. But they had them. And, um, and there was some time there as we first got moved here. And really that first year. I mean, it just took a while to, to plug in. But that I felt unknown. I, I, I didn't really know anybody. And they didn't know me. And 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 that's that's an odd feeling to feel unknown and and outside like that. I felt outside. I, you know, we think about the stereotypes like where do you sit at lunch and those kind of things. I ended up going to my next class and hanging out there because it was easier than going to lunch. And um, they were just I just felt outside for a while. But what that did was that that also caused me to go internal some. I was internal for a while. I, I, the thoughts I had were my own thoughts and they didn't get bounced off of everybody around me like they do now. Um, poor, my poor wife gets those thoughts all the time. But, but I went internal as well. And maybe you've had some season in your life where you felt unknown, where you felt outside, where you went internal. As we step into Luke chapter 5, and I would really ask you to open up your Bibles to Luke 5 if you're not already there. Luke 5. We're going to be in um, verses 12 really to 14. We might jump down into to 15 and 16, but we're really going to be spending that time in Luke 12 to 14. Think about that time where you felt outside. Maybe you're in that time right now. Maybe you are existing in a time where you feel outside. I think those might be times, and, and this time for me in high school especially, shows a, just a real minimalistic view of what the leper that we read about in Luke 5 Might have been experiencing. Verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. And let's stop right there. He was covered in leprosy. Jesus encountered this man, not just who had leprosy, not who was showing some symptoms of leprosy. But this guy was covered in leprosy. Leprosy in New Testament times and even Old Testament times would have described several different skin diseases. It would have described several different skin diseases. What we think of as leprosy now is defined as Hansen's disease, and this could have been what the man had. But but there were several different diseases that were that were um, known as leprosy. But the worst one, this Hansen's disease that we think of as leprosy now, let me read to you what it's about, what what it's like. Initially, infections are without symptoms and typically remain this way for 5 to 20 years. So they can be unknown for a long time. Symptoms that develop include nerve issues, respiratory tract issues, skin issues, eye issues. But the worst part is, if that's not bad enough, it may result in the lack of the ability to feel pain. So if I bump my finger... Over and over and over, the wind that ensues causes me to lose my finger. And that's what can happen with leprosy. Leprosy is awful like that. The problem was, maybe still is, that leprosy can be spread between people. And this is thought to occur through mucus and, and, um, and spit. And, and leprosy, it occurred more commonly with those living in poverty, but also in ancient times. And though it's con- contagious, it's not overly contagious. But folks in those times had procedures put in place to help contain leprosy so that it wouldn't spread, so that, that things wouldn't get out of hand in the community. And you can read all about those regulations, and they're they're just massive, in Leviticus 13. If you want to go back and do that, that's great. I, I did some of that as I was thinking about this. But when I was reading those laws in Leviticus 13 that were set up to help handle this public health issue—they are so very cut and dried. They just seem so arbitrary. Even um, the nice—the thing that that also happened was it was it was taken um, the, the the priest in town or the the pastor of the time, but the priest was the one that diagnosed, and that seems odd in my Western mind, in my Wilmington, North Carolina mind. Now I'm trying to have a Wilmington, North Carolina mind. I'm learning it. But in my mind here and now, that's a hard thing to think that... I mean, I went to seminary and did that stuff, but I don't have any medical training. I know how to do a Band-Aid. You know, that's about as far as I go. Um, I can help my kids pull their teeth out a little bit. That can be even a little bit fun. But um, that's about as far as I go medically. And that is so different than what was happening in New Testament times. The priests were the ones with the training. They were the ones who were taught how how to diagnose, how to look out for the community at large. So in Leviticus 13, we can read those issues. And, and as I read those, I, it just always felt like to me until I was studying for this maybe a little bit more. that those issues, those rules were so arbitrary. They were just like, okay, they look a little sick. Let's get them out of here. Let's just get them out. Let's send them out and, and go from there. But they, were, they were, happened over a series of time. A diagnosis might have started, but then there was a two-week waiting period, or a week-long waiting period. And then they came back and, and they started taking a look at this. But if somebody was recla- um, declared unclean or sick, they had to wear torn clothes all the time. They had to wear their hair unkempt. They had, to lo- they had to cover the lower part of their face. They had to cry out, unclean, unclean, wherever they went. And they had to remain outside of camp. It just strikes us so wrong, doesn't it? I gotta walk around in torn clothes? What in the world? Why would I have to wear my hair that way? They had to cover the lower part of their face. But as I as we studied and even as as we just started talking a little bit, leprosy was spread as somebody sneezed. Leprosy was spread by mucus. So covering the lower part of their face was a great idea, actually. And and to think about Having to crowd unclean, I mean, that, that's, that's the one that got me. I, I had a hard time with that one, really hard time. Why God, why, God, would you have that be part of the rules in your scriptures to have somebody that's sick have to tell everybody about that all the time? I thought back to flu season this year in my office that I was on the staff I was on. I do that all the time if I'm sick. I say, hey, I'm sick. You don't want to get near me. I'm sick. You don't, you don't want to get near me. Hey, little elbow bump, you know, don't shake my hand. We do that stuff too. And so as those rules started to trickle down in my mind, as they started trickling down into my heart, I realized that these were not arbitrary rules. These were not, hey, I'm going to put my thumb on you rules. These were rules for public health. These were rules because there was no cure for leprosy. To make it more fun, to remain outside of camp also meant folks were separated from God. Remember, in Old Testament times, the presence of God was in camp. God had a specific location that he was. He had to go there and be a part of that worship in that way. It also parallels Adam and Eve being sent out of the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, doesn't it? Because these rules were set up and these, the sickness was considered to be something that folks got because they had sinned in some way. They had, made, they had personally sinned. Now, we know that that's not how God does stuff. We know, following Jesus, that that's not how God does stuff. But that's how it was looked at. So they were being sent out because they had chosen wrong. And right or wrong, that's how they, they viewed it. Do you know what else took place outside of camp? The execution of criminals. So that's what they were being sent out to. They were being sent out And it was keeping them away from relationships with their families. It was keeping them away from relationships in their church, in their synagogue. It was keeping them out of the the relationships that just sustain us in a healthy way, don't they? We think about that all the time, the relationships, and do we have healthy relationships in our lives. And then as a pastor, I I can't imagine sending somebody away. I don't want to send people away. I want us us as as a community to, to grab people up when they're in need and walk alongside of them. And that's that's why this seems so strange to us, doesn't it? But then as I put on that hat a little bit more, can you imagine having to make that decision? Can you imagine having one of your family members, a cousin or an aunt or an uncle or a, a friend of a friend come to you with a skin lesion with something going on with their skin and and can you feel the pit in your stomach when you have to tell them the hard truth? I think you have leprosy. You have to, we have to get you out of the community before you make everybody else sick. And I imagine that the folks that had leprosy didn't want to make everybody else sick. And so that's, that's what's going on as we think about this man outside of the community, this man who had leprosy, who was sick, and then the community as they try to navigate that. I've probably taken this perspective as, as I've been sharing with you a little bit that these priests lorded this power over the people, you know. And, and we read we read so much about the Pharisees and Sadducees and how harsh they were in the in the New Testament, but you know I don't think that was the tone here. There's just no way anyone in that community would have wanted to send a family member out, would have wanted to send a, a, a friend away. There's no way that that priest would have wanted to make that decision that way. I mean, think about the family and, and social pressure of that, even. You're doing what to my son or my daughter? You're doing what to my mom? To my, what in the world? There's just no way that that would have been a popular or fun thing for any of these folks to do. So with this background in mind, we can more fully appreciate what's going on here in Luke 5, verse 12. So Jesus saw this man covered in leprosy. Let's look back down at your scripture, verse 12. And and when he saw Jesus, he fell to the ground and begged him. He fell to the ground and begged him. What would it take for you to fall on your face on the ground at someone's feet and beg? What, what situation would you have to find yourself in to respond that way? That is so not Western in our thinking, is it? It's so not American in our thinking to beg. What would it take for you to beg for yourself or for somebody else? What would it take? This man felt so very disconnected from his community, family, friends, neighbors, maybe his wife and his kids. And yes, from God. Remember, he's outside of the community. He's outside of where worship happened. That he dropped on his face at Jesus' feet and begged. He said, Lord, verse 12 again, if you're willing... You can make me clean. He had to be bold. Now remember who he is. He's the leper. He's the untouchable. He doesn't want to get anybody sick. He's been outside the community. We don't know how long he's been outside the community. But he's been outside the community. He's sick. He could get somebody deathly ill. If he touches them. If they they catch this leprosy from him. But he saw Jesus. And he knew that something was different. And so he approached him. We cannot miss how bold of a move that was. We cannot miss how big a deal that is. That he approached him boldly. But with bold humility. He fell on his feet, on his face, and he begged. But did you do you hear what he said? Lord, if you are willing, you can do this. Lord, if you are willing, you can. I have grand hope that you are who I think you are. Because if you are, you can. And I'm going to hope with everything I have that you can do this. You can heal me. You can restore me. His hope in Jesus made him confident. Comp- made him confident. So back to that question, to what extent would you go? What desire would it take for you to fall on your face at the feet of Jesus and ask? We need to learn this bold humility. We have to learn this bold humility. As followers, as, as folks who, who want to, to know Jesus more and more fully each day, as somebody who maybe doesn't know Jesus as as a daily part of their life, we have to learn from this boldness from this leprous man. So, what do you need from Jesus? Where is it that you have need of his healing today? Is it emotional? Is it relational? Is it is it some, something going on at work? Is it something going on at home? Is it, i got to make this semester happen at school, or I don't know what's going to happen. What is it that you need help with? Is it physical? Have you asked? Have you asked him? Have you gone with boldness to Jesus and said, if you're willing, Lord, I know you can do this. Look at verse 13. To see Jesus' response. Jesus reached out with his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So, as this man is bold and humble, Jesus is willing and does heal the man. He does heal the man. But did you notice what he did first? Did you notice what he did first? Look down at verse 13. He reached out and touched him. He reached out and he touched the untouchable man. Jesus is God over everything. Jesus reached out and touched the untouchable because he's Lord over it all. He doesn't have to be worried about our afflictions. He's bigger than that and more powerful than that. And he can reach out and touch us where we are. Have you felt in your life at some point that there's a decision you made? A mistake you made? Maybe even made a decision wrongly knowing it was wrong. And you think, yeah, Jesus can't touch me here. Jesus can't engage me here. This is proof that I was wrong when I thought that. This is proof that no matter where we are and where we find ourselves in our lives, that Jesus can, is willing and able to heal us where we are. Now, does that mean that if we pray for physical healing or we pray for healing, that he always does that in our life right now? No, it doesn't. And I don't, I don't know that I have the answer for that. Why why in the world that sometimes Jesus heals the physical or heals Somebody that I, that I love and sometimes he doesn't. What I do know is that in eternity, that healing happens. I do know that in eternity, that's the reality of it. But what I also know is that Jesus' first concern is spiritual health. That's why he came. Jesus came to heal us spiritually. Because without that spiritual healing, we don't have relationship with God Almighty. And so that's his primary focus and what we can't miss in this. Have you wondered what God is like in your life? Have you ever asked that question, what is God like? I ask that question a lot. (laughs) I asked Jesus into my life in 1991. And I ask that question all the time now, still. What is Jesus like? What is God like? Here's a picture of what God is like. Here's a picture of what God is like as we approach him in bold humility. He's willing and able to reach out and touch us where we are and heal us where we are as we ask. The man was bold in humility to ask, and Jesus is willing and able to respond. So let's look at the end of verse 13. He said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I think it's really interesting what happens next however In verse 14 Jesus ordered Don't tell anyone But go show yourself to the priest And offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded For your cleansing as a testimony to him Jesus ordered him Not to tell anyone but To go show himself to the priest The one that diagnosed him The one that commanded him that he couldn't live in the community Why? Why? Why did Jesus not just say, yeah, go jump up and down and scream it from the mountaintops and from the rooftops of the, the village that you're clean and that you can come back into the community? We have to remember that, that Leviticus piece, that Levitical teaching, that there was a process of reentry. They had to make sure this was a deathly disease, and he wanted to get that process started. Why go see a priest? It's reentry to the community. It's re-entry into relationships. God was in camp. Remember that. He was in the temple. His presence was thought to be in a specific, that specific location. Jesus wanted this man to have access to that part of his life again. He wanted him to be restored to be able to be part of the spiritual life of the community. Being cleared by the priest was also important for another reason. A priest would have immediately known the gravity of this event. Rabbis at the time, and for generations before, had been teaching for years and years and years that a a mark of the Messiah were three different types of healings. One was healing a Jewish leper. It had never happened before. It had never happened before. A Jewish leper had never been healed before. Now we know in the Old Testament that Naaman was healed of leprosy. But he was from Syria. The healing of a Jewish leper had never happened before. According to their history and tradition, there's two more. The other two were healing a man possessed but who couldn't talk, and that, hap- and that happens in Matthew 12. And they're restoring the sight of a blind man, a man born blind, and that happens in John 9. So if we rotate back to that comment, Lord, if you are willing... The leprous man knew, based on his diagnosis, based on the life that he lived, that there was one individual that could have healed him. And so when he boldly approached Jesus, he was acknowledging that Jesus was Messiah. Jesus is Lord. And to go tell the priest, the priest would have known, based on what he learned for years and years and years and all of his training, that the only one who could have healed a Jewish leper Was Messiah, was Jesus, Lord, God Himself. And as we decide whether we're going to follow Jesus or not, that's who we're following. That's the one that we acknowledge. And so this was the first of those three healing signs. And there's lots of other signs of Messiah, but those were three healing signs. So after the man was healed, the news spread, and the crowds did come to Jesus to hear him and to be healed. We've all been in a moment where we know the feeling of this sick man, don't we? We've all been in a moment where we feel outcast, where we feel disconnected, where we feel untouchable. And some of us know that a whole lot more than I wish we did. A whole lot more than is fair, even. But Jesus is the answer to those problems. Jesus is the answer to relationship. He is the answer to healing. And so as we, this morning, come to this place to learn about who He is and hopefully there was a little piece of that here it makes me wonder what would be a good step going forward? Would it be a moment today, later today or tomorrow to stop what we're doing, to shut things down, maybe turn the vibrate on our phone or the do not disturb and and ask for 20 minutes or a half hour of, of just quiet on our own. And ask the Lord, what would you have me fix? Where's the place that, Lord, you know that I am feeling outcast, whether I'm acknowledging it or not? Where's that place where you know that I'm feeling outside the community? And will you fix that for me? Sometimes I can be so blind that I don't even know what to ask for. But I know I can ask him that question. And so I would challenge you, if you've been a believer for, for 50 years, ask that question. I would challenge you, if you've been wondering about being a believer for the last few days or few weeks, and what that might look like, I'd ask you to ask that question. God, What? what is it that you would have for me? What would you let me know about you? And I think the thing that we can hear from the Lord in this one is that he loves us very much and he's willing and able to heal us of anything that's ailing us. And that he, he's willing to reach out and touch us and enter into our world where we are as we boldly approach him.